Hey everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm excited about today's show because I got Chris Carter joining me, my big brother. He's going to talk to us, Hall of Fame wide receiver now. He's going to talk to us about Justin Jefferson and how much money the Vikings need to pay him exactly, but also he told them last year what to pay him. He's also going to tell us about Josh Dobbs. What does Josh Dobbs do that's similar to Randall Cunningham? Tune in next for that on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson. Of course, it's the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota coming to you every Tuesday with loaded guests. Today's guest, Chris Carter, of course, Vikings Hall of Fame wide receiver, one of the best receivers to ever do it. And he's going to tell us a little bit about Justin Jefferson and this Josh Dobbs dynamic reminds him a little bit of the uh, Randall Cunningham days. Randall Cunningham came out of retirement, came to the Vikings, and there was something special about that Vikings team with Randall Cunningham and the weapons. And he says he says it reminds him a little bit of Josh Dobbs. He'll tell us that next on the Hanging Around Johnson segment. But I want everybody to know today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase the Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics to treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Well, of course, in today's show, we're going to talk about Josh Dobbs, Anthony Barr's joining the Vikings. The Denver Broncos found a way, found a way to beat the Buffalo Bills. We'll explain that as well as the Daily Three. We got to talk about these Timberwolves, people. This is getting exciting now. Is we're getting real exciting when they, they might go eight and two, eight and two to start the season. I was, we were saying five C, six C, four C. This might be a two or a three seed if they keep up at this clip. They might break the Bulls. No, nah, they're not going to break the Warriors record. They're not going to only lose nine games. That that can't happen. But a fan base can dream. We'll talk about that on the Daily Three. But as I bring my producer to the show, Sam Ekstrom, and everybody's like, ah, uh, it's a one-time thing. Josh Dobbs against the Falcons. Like, that was that that never happens. There's no way he can follow that up. There's no way he can do that again. And everybody's like, man, that Falcons game, like, that, like, is it real? Is, is this for real? The Falcons aren't that good. Taylor Heineke's playing. They don't know who their quarterback is. And then the Saints come to town. Derek Carr, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, solid run game, solid Taysom Hill, uh, whatever you want to call them, dual threat tight end slash running back slash quarterback. And they beat the Saints 27 to 19, Sam. 27 to 19. So, in my opinion, and I'm guessing I don't know how statistics works, is 27 to 19, Sam, first. Does that consider the one score game? Yes, it is. But I looked too at the win probability. The win probability for the Vikings never dipped below 86%. So, so while okay. it, it was like once they got the lead, yeah, it was 86%. Uh, or better the whole time so it was a one possession game technically but they don't 
weren't really in that much jeopardy of losing it, but it does. It is a one score game. Yep. Because if you look at this, Sam, Buccaneers twenty to seventeen, Eagles one score, Chargers one score, Panthers one score, Chiefs they lost one score, Bears one score, 49ers, they beat them one score. The only team, the Falcons, one score, and the Saints, one score. The only team, and I kind of said this, was the Packers, Sam. They won by 14 against the Packers. This That's crazy when you think about the number of one-score games that could have went their way. This team is 6-4. and four. You could easily, easily look at that Chiefs game and maybe call up some stuff and say they should have won that. You can look at the Chargers game for sure and say, look at some of these misinterceptions. Uh, look at the TJ Hawkinson ball that he dropped. Um you know, the Buccaneers, the, the turnovers, you think about that. And you could easily say with all you remove those Buccaneers, because I'm not going to go Eagles. Eagles are good and the Chiefs are good. So let's take those out. The Vikings could be, to this point, Sam, could be eight and two. They could be an eight and two team if they beat the Bucs like they're supposed to and they beat the Chargers like they were supposed to if TJ Hawkinson catches that ball. At eight and two, they're number one in the NFC North. They're probably, what, number two in the NFC, mm -hmm. right behind the Eagles. And people have a different outlook on this team, even without Kirk Cousins. Because if they had gotten to this point uh, with, with Josh Dobbs, uh, where so they would have been, let's call it, what, six, six and two? They would have been six and two, Kirk Cousins goes down. They still win the next two games. They go eight and two, two games under Josh Dobbs. Sam, this is a team that last year we talked about these one-score games, and we were like, ah. They're not that good at a team. Now we're looking at these one-score losses, and we're like, man, they're better than that. They should be 8-2. and two. Yep. Kevin O'Connell and Chris Carter brings this up, too, and we'll talk about that. Like, his last couple of games, I mean, you take out that Giants loss in the playoffs, this, this guy is coaching. Like, this team is in every single game, win, lose, or draw. They're in every single game. They're not getting blown out. They're not like every – there's never a game you're watching and you're like, all right, I'm going to just go get some popcorn. I'm going to cut the grass because this is over. You know, put the baby to bed, put the hay in the barn, whatever they say, this is over. It hasn't happened, Sam. So in your opinion, because last year this was a mm -hmm. good team record-wise, but not a good team because of their, you know, point differential, as Peter Bukowski wants to point out from Locked On Packers. We haven't heard much from Peter Bukowski now, the 6-4 and four Vikings, who are still in these one-score games. Losing some, Eagles, Chargers, Bucks, Chiefs, and then winning the others and then blowing his Packers out by two touchdowns. We haven't heard much from Peter Bukowski about that on Locked On Packers. But, Sam, here's where I go with this. This Josh Dobbs performance, he did it once. He did it twice. When you think about his game against the Saints, you know, 268 yards. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had, a, a, had himself a day. You know, the run game wasn't really there, but Ty Chandler looks explosive. Uh, you you have Josh Dobbs rushing for 44 yards, uh, escaping the pocket, you know, scoring a touchdown. There's things right now that he's doing that 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 are absolutely ridiculous. But do you think this can continue on uh, looking at these next three games when you have uh, the Broncos, the Bears and the Raiders and the bye week? So you got the bye week and then you got the Raiders. Yeah, I, I do, Ron. I've got optimism about that. I, I don't think it's always going to look as good as it did in the first half against mm -hmm. the Saints. And it's not always going to look as bad as it did in the second half against the Saints when things got really conservative and the offense clammed up. But the legs for Dobbs are the great equalizer. If the play isn't there, the throw isn't there, or maybe he's not re recognizing the coverage, he's got that escape route. It's like the fire escape. He can just you know <laughs> get out the window and he can climb down and he can yeah. escape. 
he he is crazy mobile. I had no idea this guy could move the way he does. But the other great part about this Vikings team, Ron, that keeps him in these games, mm-hmm. defense. It's the Brian Flores defense. They are now a top 15 defense in the league, which is so far above our expectation. Mm-hmm. And think back to last year, Ron, those four losses the Vikings had, Yep, those were all blowouts. I mean, they, they got smoked in their yep. losses last year. They're not getting smoked by anybody this year because that defense is so much better. And they're going to keep them in all these games. And if you've got Dobbs in a game for four quarters, which he wasn't really against the Cardinals because of how bad their defense is, mm-hmm. um, I like what uh, what he could do coming up here. So I'm excited for the test in Denver against a Broncos team that's playing well, much like the Saints, a team that it was on a winning streak with a good defense, and now the Vikings go on the road to play them. Yeah, and, and Russell Wilson, you know, starting to figure it out a little bit. Not great. Not great, but starting to figure it out a little bit. And the thing about the Broncos, though, is they were expected to be a little bit better because Russell Wilson's second year, so on and so forth. Um, if if what happened doesn't happen to the to the Bills, you know, 12 men on the field, do you really consider that? Like, like did the Broncos win that game or did the Bills lose it? I would say the Bills lost it. That's me I would personally. Agree. I the would Bills agree. lost turnovers. Yeah, but but the the last play of the game, like so, people always say it shouldn't come down to the last play of the game, play, but it did. If the last play of the game can win you a game and you screw that up, it's your that, like that's the problem. Like I get you don't want to put it on one player. Uh, Russell Wilson, no interceptions, uh, two touchdowns, hundred ninety three yards, very meek type of performance. Like a backup, you would think this is the backup quarterback uh, type performance. The run game, you're like, oh maybe they ran the ball. Wasn't wasn't the best? I mean, Javonta Williams. 79 yards. Uh, Russell Wilson had 30. He was the second leading rusher with 30. Um, so there wasn't much. Corden Sutton, Sutton, who I talked about, one touchdown. He had 53 yards. Uh, Javante Williams out the backfield, one touchdown, receiving 31 yards. Um, there was nothing about this game that made me think like, oh, they're, they're just killing it. When you look at the Bills, like you said, Sam, Josh Allen threw two picks. Latavius Murray scored on the ground. Josh Allen scored on the ground. Uh, Stephon Diggs. I mean, I see why his brother tweeted that. I don't know if you saw that, Sam. Three catches, 34 yards. He wants that's, him in Dallas. That's tweet worthy. Right. He wants him to come play with, hey, hey man, we need a receiver. We just signed, uh, uh, what's his name from the Steelers, Martavius Bryant. Uh, you, we, we need, we're clearly looking for a possible additional weapon to go with CD Lamb. Hey, bro, take less money. You've made a ton of money in your career. Let's come play together. We can live together in Dallas. Uh, we're both single, we're young. Uh, we're not married. Let, let, let's do this, man. Huge house in Dallas. Put our millions together. And let's get a mansion in Dallas. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. But the Buffalo Bills, I don't see them willing to or wanting to trade with Dallas. They've done everything to try to keep Stefan Diggs happy. Uh, but last night was one of those nights where, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he took the Buffalo Bills off of social media. He's probably not going to do it because he knows everybody's watching after his brother tweeted that. But <laughs> It just it just was not. Now James Cook did have 109 yards rushing, but if I'm not mistaken, didn't he have a fumble to start the game, um, or something like that? Like something happened where he got, he fumbled early or something, or he got got the ball stripped from him. James Cook. Yeah, I think I think it was him. They were saying got stripped and he got benched for a little bit. Then they bought him back in. Um, but I mean, he had 12 yep. carries on 109 yards. Like he had he had a absolutely like explosive game. Average nine yards a carry. Uh, but yeah, I know he fumbled to start the game. And again, Josh Allen, two interceptions. That was, that's the big difference. That's the same thing with the Vikings though. We can say the same thing. If they're, if they don't have all them, those fumbles 
against the Bucks, if they don't have the fumbles against the uh, Chargers, I mean, even the Eagles game, they probably win those. Mm -hmm. They probably do. I think the Eagles were shocked the Vikings were as good as they were. Like, I think they were expecting this Kirk Cousins that everybody hates and everybody clowns and everybody talks about. They look good against the Eagles, which gives you hope for the playoffs. Like, the fact that they had gotten blown out by the Eagles, we'd be sitting here saying, eh, they have no shot. But they look good against the Eagles. And last one before we jump over here, I don't know if this is big news, Sam, but Brian Flores is possibly adding another weapon. We know uh, uh, where, to your report, what happened to Jordan Hicks? Jordan Hicks, compartment syndrome in his shin. He took a hit in the game, tried to play through it. Ankle, shin started swelling up, taken to a hospital, surgical procedure to fix a compartment syndrome and kept overnight in a hospital. So he'll be out against the Broncos. Um, and Anthony Barr, old friend Anthony Barr, coming in to save the day. And remember, too, Ron, Brian Asamo has been out, too. So their linebacker depth is hurting. They've got Ivan Pace. They've got Troy Dye. Anthony Barr coming back around. I love it. Well, Ivan Pace is definitely going to be the green dot. Yep. He's going to get the calls. He's going to get the stuff. Anthony Barr. I, I saw Ben Lieber tweet this. Think about all the times we were wanting Anthony Barr to get after the quarterback. All yep. the times we were like, man, I wish, I wish, I wish Zimmer would turn him loose and let him rush. Even when they went to a three-four, uh, we were like, man, this Ed Donatel defense could use an Anthony Barr right now in the three-four style defense because that's what he did well at at, uh, at UCLA, getting after the quarterback. And we were like, man, let him rush the quarterback because he's really good at it. And Brian Flores' defense, anytime, anywhere, any way you want to get to it, they can rush. And he does it. And so now you got a guy in Anthony Barr that you can say, just go, 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 just go. Just go after the quarterback. Do what you do. Loop de loo, spin move, sashay, whatever you got to do. Get after the quarterback. You got him and Josh Mantellis now getting after the quarterback. You have Ivan Pace moving into more of the Jordan Hicks role as the Mike Backer. Um, this could this could get really good. One sack, we'll be happy with one sack or two QB pressures from Anthony Barr. If he can rush mm -hmm. Russell Wilson twice, and if he can sack him once, and we can get an Anthony Barr sack, I think it's a success. I would call that a success, Sam. But speaking of success, we got to get to one of the most successful receivers in NFL history and Chris Carter. Uh, he's going to join us next in the Hanging Around Johnson segment, and we'll do that, but we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Ron, let me tell you more today about Jace Medical. Jace Medical gives you peace of mind. There's a lot of unpredictability in the world. Supply chain shortages are very prevalent in this uncertain time. Natural disasters, they can lead to all of this. You get fires, hurricanes, earthquakes, stuff happens, and you can't get the supplies you need. That includes medical supplies. You want to be covered. You want to have that security. So with Jace Medical, you can get the Jace case. Go online right now, jacemedical.com. Receive your 12-month supply and your daily medication. Use promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout for a discount as well. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes is filling out a simple online form, jump on a quick call with a board-certified physician, get ongoing care from that physician. They'll help you choose your medications, get them shipped right to you. It's doctor-created, doctor-recommended. Don't get caught unprepared. Be empowered to care for yourself and your loved ones. You can get um, gift cards for your family members so they can get a Jace case as well. JaceMedical.com, promo code locked on. You'll get $20 off your purchase. JASEMedical.com, promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. JaceMedical.com.
Well, now it's time for the Hanging Ron Johnson segment, and uh, this is always a fun one for me. Chris Carter, uh, former Vikings wide receiver, Hall of Famer, one of the best receivers. I mean, I grew up uh, playing college football in Minnesota, so watching Chris Carter film for me was just something that was normal. Uh, my coaches talked about it, uh, body type, hand strength, and every time I got a chance to talk to Chris Carter after college, it's just always been a blessing. And so I uh, ran into him yesterday, and I was like, you know what? We got to have him on. So uh, with no further ado, I want to bring Chris Carter to the show. What's going on, man? Man, what's going on, man? So uh, first off, you were in Minnesota uh, for a charity, man. Explain uh, to the people what, what's going on with the charity uh, that you were a part of this weekend. Well, the reason why I was there was because I have a profound relationship with Salvation Army. Okay. Uh, when I was a young kid, unfortunately, my mom was a single parent, had seven kids before the age of 25. And, you know, when you're looking for assistance, you're looking for help. You know, she didn't have high school education at that time, didn't have any type of college degree or any type of skill. So we needed help. And the partnership between Salvation Army and a local church especially during the holidays, was able to get us gifts. Um, that's one of the most embarrassing things about being poor is that there's so many holes, not only just trying to feed yourself, clothe mm -hmm. yourself, but when you come back from the holidays, people are looking at you. Do you have more new stuff like all the other kids? So the pressure and the embarrassment of it. So Salvation Army was there for me. They've been a partner with the Vikings. And personally, I partnered up. Um, I shared the story of how instrumental they were in my development. And we just believe in the Twin Cities area, there's a lot of Chris Carter's, Joyce Carter families out there that need our support, homelessness, um, hungry. I mean, people people are really struggling um, the, with the economy. So I lent my name because I know it works and I know they do a great job. Yeah, and, and talk about that a little bit, though. Growing up in a single uh, parent household with uh, that many siblings, uh, as you got older, I know, you know, being a man, being a father, like that became very like I, every time I talk to you hearing about Monterey and your your son, um, you know, I could just tell that you had a sense of pride with that. But but where did that come from? And, uh, you know, trying to be one of the best fathers you could be. I think it came from my football coaches. Uh, when you look back on your life, if you don't have a male in the home, there has to be a strong male influence for somewhere. And And for me, I didn't want to repeat the mistakes that my father had made and i really looked up just my high school coach um, when i got into the pros dennis green um, all the leadership and stuff that, that he put on me and all the times we talked about you know what real men have to do and making tough decisions and things like that so i think through football you know it really taught me because uh, i didn't have it there in the home didn't have that example so through football i was able to learn those things and sometimes in life, something can be a deficit to you, but you can turn it into a strength, and that's what mm -hmm. I've tried to do. Yeah, and, and looking at these young receivers in the NFL, man, there's uh, and not just young receivers, young players, period. There's a lot of guys uh, that, that whether it's the Henry Ruggs Jr. making the mistake that he made that, you know, he's going to have to pay for it for the rest of his life. Um, but what are some things you try to, you know, talk to the younger players, especially Vikings players, because I know you always, you're always back. You always get a chance to chat with them. I uh, saw you and JJ. I've, I've, you know, I've seen guys in the past, Treadwell and so on and so forth. But, you know, what is one message uh, from your life that you try to convey to these young players so they don't end up uh, in some of the places like guys like Henry Ruggs? Well, maximize the moment and, and realize that playing in the NFL, it's a fantasy world. It's not the way real people live. Mm -hmm. And, when you actually get drafted, you don't have a career, you have an opportunity. 
Now you can turn that into a career, but it's really an opportunity. Maximize it. You can change your life and your family's life for generations to come. And if God gave you NFL talent, he gave you three years, you need to get four. If he gave you six years, you need to get eight. If God gave you a 10 year career, you need to try to get 12 because the benefits of it and the long-term effects that it has, um, not only in your home, but in the community you come from, you know, they're everlasting. Yeah. And, and now looking at the players now, you know, this team, this Minnesota Vikings team, um, all was lost. Let's be real. Everybody thought when Kirk Cousins got hurt, they started the season 0-3, uh, doing the post-game show every week. Yep. We, we had nothing but people calling in saying, uh, it's time to move on from Kirk. It's time to trade JJ and get all the trade value you can get for him. It's time to trade Daniil Hunter. People were talking about cleaning house. And now, five-game winning streak, third-string quarterback pretty much that you just got 12 days ago or 13 days ago now. But as of yesterday's game, he had been in Minnesota for 12 days. And they found lightning in the bottle once again. We saw that happen with Case Keenum. Now we're seeing it with Josh Dobbs. Uh, but, but what makes this Minnesota team so special right now from what you see? Yeah, I think we also found that in Randall Cunningham. You know, like oh, yeah. Or in the past where people get to Minnesota and because of our offensive structure and because of the skill set, of our wide receivers, running backs, and people to make plays, tight ends, that they have the best years of their career. So I'm glad to see Josh Dobbs getting that opportunity. And it really speaks to the leadership of the Vikings. Now, not only from a general manager standpoint, but the head coach. I mean, that dude has coached his butt off the last 12 games. To win 14 games, I know we're disappointed because we lost to the Giants, but as rookie, he wins 14 games. We don't give him credit for that. So now he's he, he he's, he's he's pitching out there with the scratch. And his influence on the quarterback, like that's how you can become a profound coach. You can really have an impact on one side of the ball. And what he was able to do in Atlanta, getting those plays orchestrated, getting him comfortable. And then another seven days later, what we saw yesterday, it speaks to we got a great head coach. And we need to realize that because it's impossible. You've been in them locker rooms. It's impossible to get the productivity from that quarterback unless you got a unique someone communicating to them in a unique way. Yeah, and the Vikings could easily be four and six. They could easily be, yep. uh, uh, you know, lost. These last five games could have been lost. They could be zero and and nine. You know, there's so many different scenarios, or one and nine. There's so many different scenarios of where they are. But now they're in the playoff hunt. Uh, they're, they're, they're a wild card. They're chasing the lions. The lions and the Vikings have kind of set themselves apart from the bears and the Packers. Uh, but when you look at a guy like Justin Jefferson, everybody was saying, you know, he's going to sit out and just wait for his big contracts on and so forth. But now looking at a guy like Josh Dobbs, looking at Jordan Addison, seeing TJ Hawkinson have 134 yards receiving, clearly there's, there's a need for Justin Jefferson when you see the ups and downs of Jordan Addison, because he's a rookie. People keep forgetting that he's had some big games, but he's a rookie. But when you're Justin Jefferson and your hamstring, I mean, you, you've been there. What 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 mindset or, or how does he need to look at this from a hamstring perspective? A guy knowing next year he's guaranteed $20 million. Uh, so for people wondering about that, he's guaranteed that money next year. Uh, but what what does that look like for Justin Jefferson moving forward? Well, the first thing it speaks to the realness of when you're in that window, you got to get your money. Mm -hmm. Because what if that had been a need? See, the conversation would be different. The fans would be looking at it different. But for J.J., it'd still be the same thing. 
Like he's going to have the opportunity. And I do believe the number is going to be $35 million a year. Mm. Tyreek Hill's already making 30. Depreciation, appreciation. Hey, so he's got to be above that. He's got to be the highest paid guy. So that's where the contract's going to fall. I told the Vikings last year in London we should have signed him to a $30 million plus deal. It'd be looking like a bargain right now. But I think he's a competitor, and I think regardless, he's going to try to get out there and play. Um, he has that type of effect on the game that even with a backup, he feels like he can impact the game in a special way. So I think that he has the type of sports integrity that we see with great players that I'm going to rush back. I don't get hurt often. I got a speedy body clock, and I'm going to mm -hmm. get back out there and help my teammates because sometimes it's beyond the money and the contract, and it's more about that guy to my left and my right that I made a promise to. And fulfilling that promise is by me and everybody else. We got other guys injured too. They're doing everything they can to get back out there, and J.J. is going to be doing the same thing. Yeah, when you look at Justin Jefferson too, um, having a quarterback he's never really worked with, never played the game with, hasn't even practiced with them. We know Josh Dobbs before the Falcons game had never thrown a pass to any receiver in that building because he had just got there and he kind of was just working or sorry, on the field. He was working with the twos and the threes. Right. Um, and so he hadn't worked with the starters just yet because that was Jaron Hall. They were trying to get Jaron Hall up to speed. And now fast forward, you got Justin Jefferson. How does Justin Jefferson to him? Cause you know this man, like being on the same page with your quarterback is key. I, I run my, you know, comeback at 18 yards, but this is how long it takes me. I run my comeback at 15. This is how long it takes me. When I run my go route, this is a little, you know, added, you know, head nod or whatever. I'm going to add to my fade route or my my deep over route. How quick or what does Justin Jefferson need to do in these next? Because he has about two weeks to get ready for, for uh, him and Josh Dobbs. Like, what does that, you know, progression need to look like? Well, don't put too much pressure on yourself. I mean, whatever the route tree is, whatever the combination is, whatever the adjustment is, Justin's got to be able to do is get off his release, mm -hmm. press the defense, have leverage, get in and out the break, and and make the play. Sometimes as wide receivers, we worry about too much other things. You know, was left half going to block him? Or what if they blitz? And Like, I got a job to do. There's a certain depth that I got to get to. Mm -hmm. There's a certain amount of intensity and speed for which I got to get into my route. And I'm going to concentrate on getting the timing back. It's like when I played with Warren Moon, I used to ask him, hey, man, how do you like it? You know, how do, what do you want me to do? He said, man, play your game because I've never played with a guy like you. And I was like, I never played with a guy like you. So Dobbs, these are the best receivers he's ever thrown to. Yeah. I mean, where he's been? Pittsburgh, they ain't have nothing. Arizona, they ain't got nothing. You get to Minnesota, it's like, oh, my goodness, I got a Porsche, Bentley, Maserati. Like, like, let's like, let's roll. Like, I'm going to get the ball out of my hands to these guys. So the chance to turn his career around, the chance to extend his career, mm -hmm. the chance that he might people might look beyond him being a journeyman or a backup. Now is that time because we got a special group of skilled people that can really highlight his ability. And, and the offensive line has been doing a great job. You know, they've been doing a good job with Kirk Cousins, like the last three games of Kirk Cousins. Uh, we saw Christian Derisaw start to hit like prolific blocking. When you think about the 49ers defense and, and Bosa not even getting close to Kirk Cousins, I think the 49ers had one pressure that entire game. And people are like, oh, well, maybe they're, you know, they're getting bad. And then they add Chase Young and nothing changes. They go out there against the Jags and just absolutely tear the Jags apart. So this offensive line doesn't get enough credit. But when you have a quarterback, 
because we saw him escape the pocket numerous times, make big plays, make some throws after escaping the pocket in the play action role. As a receiver, when you know, okay, I might have to run a route for four to five seconds because this guy is going to keep the play going. Uh, one, how exciting is that? And then two, how do you mentally, because I've seen you do it. I know what you do. But but how do you get that mindset to know, okay, like I got to roll to my left and I got to know I'm going to throttle down, I'm going to get my toes in and I'm going to make this great catch because I know this guy's going to put it there. Because you talked about Randall Cunningham. Uh, what is that like having a quarterback with that escapability? Well, there's two mindsets. As a young receiver, you're thinking about, okay, if he breaks the pocket. And that's the wrong mindset because mm-hmm. you have to try to complete your route, not expecting him to run. Now, it's hard to do when you play with athletic guys, but I got into a lot of bad habits in Philadelphia playing with Randall Cunningham, expecting him to run compared to me sticking to the basics of the fundamentals of the route that I had and the adjustments. And and I do my job. So you have to be careful as a young receiver being too anxious. As a veteran receiver, you know, okay, complete my route. Okay, now he's on the move. The hardest defender the hardest, the, the, you know, receiver to for a defender to defend is when at extra time. Yeah. And go anyway. So to me, that's like a bonus. If a guy gets out the pocket, I'm going to try to threaten the defense deep if I can because it opened up if the quarterback does want to run. But there is certain things and there's certain patterns, okay? If I'm close to the quarterback, I'm going to come back to the quarterback. If I'm intermediate, I might go deep. And if I'm deep, I'm going to come back. So you give the quarterback still all three levels that he can throw the football to and when you look at the minnesota vikings playoff hopes Owen three was their start since i think was it i think it was 1979 was the stat they went back to for this number there was only four teams i think between between like the 80s and 2022 so of last year only four teams made the playoffs of those only one team won a playoff game the minnesota vikings looks like they're going to be the fifth team to make the playoffs after starting Owen three but if josh dobbs does do something only one other team has done, which is win a playoff game. And then maybe he gets even more, you know, lightning in a bottle when you think about the other rush potential teams they're going to face, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and how he can eliminate some of that early pressure. What does the Vikings have to do going next year, knowing Kirk Cousins coming off an Achilles, so he's probably a full year away at the age of, you know, he's over mid-30s, he's over mid-30s now. Um, And then you have Josh Jobs in your building. How tough of a decision are the Vikings going to have to make next year? Well, I mean, it's going to be a tough decision, even if Kirk Cousins was healthy. Mm-hmm. They've already invested a lot of money in Kirk Cousins. And without having those playoff victories, you're saying, okay, what did I get out of it? Well, we did develop Justin Jefferson. So that's going to be, is that going to be all we got out of it was Justin Jefferson? And that could be it. So Kirk's made a lot of money. You know, to me, I believe a lot of pressure's on Kirk Cousins because I would try to come back to the Vikings at a more reasonable rate so that they can sign these other players. saw has got to be paid eventually because he is a brilliant left tackle. Like, we got to keep him in purple his whole career. Justin Jefferson, we got to keep him in purple. So if Kurt looks at that, throwing the ball indoors, playing in the division, um, those things are huge bonuses. Working with the head coach and the coaching staff, being familiar with the Twin Cities, all those things. But Josh Dobbs will have extended his career by stellar play and the Vikings. If all those things occur, the Vikings would have to look to him as a replacement to potentially be the starter. Yes. 
And when you look at the pastronaut, that's what they're calling Josh Dobbs right now. And I've been looking back. They never gave this dude that type of name. Like he was with the Cardinals, like you said. He was with the Steelers. Even at Tennessee, nobody was calling him the pastronaut. He comes to Minnesota, gets some early excitement without Justin Jefferson. That's what's crazy about this excitement he's creating right now in the league and in Minnesota. When you turn on ESPN, when you turn on Good Morning Football on the, in the NFL Network, everybody's talking about Josh Dobbs. Other than Jamie Foxx from any given Sunday, because I know Harrison Smith brought that up. I said it you know, before the Falcons game because I thought Jaron Hall could maybe be the Jamie Foxx, but of course it ended up being Josh Dobbs. Uh, have you ever seen a backup to the backup create this much excitement in the town? I mean, I think it's it's pretty unusual. Um, I think that when we brought Randall Cunningham out of retirement and Brad Johnson got hurt mm-hmm. and knowing you had Randall Cunningham, Randy Moss, Chris Carter, <laughs> Robert Smith, Jake Reed, like we was going to be nice, and especially with Randy's ability to be able to get deep, Cunningham's ability to be able to throw it deep. You know, to me, that was the most exciting time that a backup um, has come to Minnesota. And we've seen that type of transition. The team just picked up speed compared to losing the momentum that they had. But this is a very, very unique situation. You know, playing in the league, 99% of all the players, myself included, we need a system. We need a system that is conducive to our ability and a system that does not exploit our weaknesses. Because we all have weaknesses. There's only 1% of the players, Jim Brown, Dick Buckus, um, Barry Sanders, Deion Sanders. Like these guys, they are the system. So when you get them, you're like, okay, I'm getting ready to do this because that's what they do. The rest of us, the other 99%, like we need a system. So maybe Josh Dobbs, under our leadership with our head coach, he found the system that fits his ability. And he's at the age and mature-wise that he could be highlighted compared to being a liability, you know, he could he could lead things. So that's what I've seen the last two weeks, and I'm pulling for him. It's a great story. Um, he's playing for my squad now, so now he's my quarterback. So I'm just hoping nothing but great things for him. And last one before we get out of here, man, Brian Flores, he doesn't get enough credit. You know, this defense in Miami, let's go back to Miami days, he turned him around 2019, 2021, he turned him around in 2020 and 21. Well, they fire him because of whatever. The defensive coordinator doesn't leave. Why? Because he can continue on Brian Flores' system. The owners knew that. Like, hey, we, we like the defense. We just got to figure out how to move on from the coach because, you know, we got our we got caught with our hand in the cookie jar. Mm-hmm. And so they just had to pick a scapegoat. Brian Flores was a scapegoat. Um, the fact that he tried to sue the NFL and no backlash came from it, clearly the other owners knew, like, okay, yeah, something was going on. We're not going to penalize you for what the Dolphins owners did. We're not getting involved right. in that. And so he got an opportunity with uh, with Mike Tomlin. Love Mike Tomlin for that one because not a lot of head coaches would have taken that uh, opportunity. But the Roonies stood behind it as well, and they allowed you know they allowed that. You see Brian Flores coming to Minnesota now, and it we we're getting this magical defense. You know everybody was like, man, he's got more safeties on the roster than defensive linemen. Well, now we see why he primarily stays in a three safety system. Josh Metellus is basically a linebacker playing or a safety playing linebacker. He's a rover. He blitzes. Uh, You got Byron uh, Murphy Jr. Now they added him and everybody was talking about that wasn't a great pickup, but he's been good. Uh, You know, you didn't bring any new linebackers in Jordan Hicks. And then you undrafted guy and Ivan Pace Jr. becomes your starting wheel linebacker. With all that said, Brian Flores, what, what, why isn't he getting as much credit as he should be 
um, right now? Well, we're just getting into the meat of the season, and we're just yep. getting we can see kind of what a team's DNA is. If you look at what was the biggest question mark as we approached the season, it was the defense. Um, once we got Danelle Hunter signed and everything, it was okay. The two best players, Danelle Hunter, Harrison Smith, how much football do they have on an elite level? Mm -hmm. And in his system, they have played elite and it has helped the other players. So when you can make players that have played at a level bring back some of that glory that was the first thing that i was looking for but they play with a lot of energy um he's got a great system and i do believe that he should be a head coach i know that a lot of people in the nfl think very very highly of b flow and all the players that i've talked to that played for him privately they rave about not only his relationship with them his intensity but his x's and o's is superb so I'm glad he's built to be, be highlighted. I'm glad, you know, people like you on your show are talking about him because he definitely has earned that right to be in the conversation of some of the most promising head coaches headed into the 2024 offseason. Yeah. And last one, of course, I lied. Just like any strength coach, I think it's the last one is not. I, got, I can't get out of here without asking you about Ohio State. Ohio State now uh, behind Georgia. You got Michigan up there. Harbaugh is not going to coach against Ohio State. What are your thoughts on this, you know, Harbaugh being he's coaching all week, but just can't be on the sideline for the games. Do you think that's like a, a slap on the wrist or just the Big Ten's just trying to do something to make people think that they did something? Well, they had to do something like you can't have all this information out there. They're buying tickets to all these different stadiums. Mm. They will sit in the seats. And then once the investigation started, oh, now no one's showing up to the games. Oh, really? Uh -huh. Central Michigan, when he was on the Central Michigan sideline before yeah. they played Michigan, I think the, the next week, and, and Michigan State, like, there's just, I always say, if there's smoke, typically something in the wood pile is not clean. And just like when they investigated the Patriots, it, oh, Belichick, he didn't know anything? Mm -hmm. How these guys run these programs, and every, they, they keep everything. They know everything. Everything is run by them. All the decisions are made by them. But as soon as the scandal comes, you know what? I don't handle that. Someone else handles that. So, yes, the investigation is not over. It's obviously they did something wrong. But Michigan has been a good team the last three years with or without the sign stealing. Yeah. So that doesn't take away from the kids that they have. Like, they got a lot of good football players. And he did turn that program around. Unfortunately, I do believe, he might have coached his last college football game, and he's going to be in the NFL next year. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one there. I know he's he's interviewed before for the Vikings job, and they went with uh, Kevin O'Connell. So, yeah, Harbaugh might be trying to join his brother in the NFL. We know there will be teams that will take him. Well, I'm Ron Johnson. That's Chris Carter. I want to appreciate you for joining me on the Hanging Ron Johnson segment. Chris, uh, up next, we got the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. And we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Great stuff from Chris Carter, and now I'm going to tell you about FanDuel and the new promotion going on there right now. All you need to do to get $150 in bonus bets at FanDuel is to win a $5 money line bet. That's all it takes at America's number one sportsbook, offering great promotions all the time, including this one. New customers, $150 in bonus bets with a winning $5 money line bet. So you could have bet the Cowboys against the Giants, 17.5-point favorites. You could have won $0.23 cents on a $5 money line bet, but you'd get $150 
in bonus bets. And then you've got the 150, and then you've got hundreds of wagering options at FanDuel. Football, college football, basketball, hockey, the whole gamut. You can bet at FanDuel. Spreads, player props, over-unders, futures. FanDuel.com slash locked on. The FanDuel Sportsbook app works as well. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Bet the NFL because FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Well, Sam, now it's time for the Daily Three. That's three questions. We spent about a minute each today. Take it away. All right, Ron. T-Wolves, red, hot. Between the Wolves and the Vikings, Ron, will they ever lose again? That's, I think, a six for the Wolves, five for the Vikes, and they play Golden State tonight. The rematch in the in-season tournament tonight. Uh, I mean, obviously, let's get your thoughts quickly on tonight, but also, are the Wolves entering the conversation as a title contender in the NBA? Uh, at seven and two, they have to enter the conversation. I'm gonna go there right away. Yes, they have to be entered in the conversation because when you look at the Nuggets, uh, when you look at the Warriors and how those games panned out and how they handled them, um, come on now. Like we we talked about this. They they they're beating teams that people thought they should not beat. And so, yes, I would definitely put the Timberwolves in that conversation. But yes, I'm I'm a little bit bullish on them because I'm like at seven and two, it's all about momentum. And if they continue on this, if they can go every 10-game stretch, I always talk about that, the 10-game stretch. Every 10-game stretch, they just have to win. So this one they've already won because they have one game left in it. So they can go 8-2 and two or 7-3. and three. Who cares? They won that stretch. The next stretch, if they go 7-3 and three again, think about it. They're 14-6. and six. See what I'm saying? So let's win these 10-game stretches. Let's not – at worst, they have to go 5-5. Five and five. They cannot go like a 10-game losing streak or an 8-game losing streak. That's when doubt creeps in. That's when bad locker room habits creep in, and that's when players get after each other. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you consider them contenders? Also, for tonight's game, Warriors, mm-hmm. I, 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 after watching that game, uh, I think Anthony Edwards has something going for him. I know you asked uh, two, two and a half, what, two and a half texts over under. I'm going to go with the over just because I hope <laughs> like Chris Paul is going to be a little bit ramped up because he was pissed off. People were mad about Chris Paul diving at uh, Michael Conley Jr.'s legs. So it might get a little chippy tonight, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's going to be super intense. I mean, I'm I'm seeing Anthony Edwards turning it on in fourth quarters. He did it against Boston. He did it against Golden State, where he literally can't be stopped. That's the, that's something that title contenders need. You got to have a player that can do that. And the Wolves' defense, though, right now, Ron, is their calling card. Rudy Gobert is altering so much at the rim mm-hmm. that teams are struggling to get to 100 points on him. It's really incredible, that defensive turnaround as well. So... And Cat's playing better. Like, just since last week, Ron, Cat has turned it around and played three great games in a row. So I love the Wolves right now. You know what I don't love? Gophers football, man. I will say, <laughs> I will say, I was traveling for hockey, fired up the FanDuel app. I was in a, a, a good state for it. And I did cash uh, Brevin Span Ford, first touchdown scorer at a juicy oh. price. That was a nice one. Then it went downhill from there. Well, uh, Gophers lose 49-30 at Purdue, and now they go to play Ohio State. Uh, what are you expecting against the Buckeyes in that one? Uh, I'm not going to lie, man. I don't expect much. Um, I really don't. Uh, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to pray for 2,000 to come back around again. Um, I know we did it down there in 2000. Uh, they do have special players uh, like Daniel Jackson, like Brevin Spanford, who's coming alive. But every time I watch Ohio State, they get better and better and better and better and better. 
like Marvin Harrison Jr. right now is trying to win a Heisman. I feel like I feel like Ryan Ryan Day, like that last game against Michigan State, he's like, man, let's go get this Heisman. Like let's let's just go get this Heisman, man. If I'm Minnesota, there's the one thing I will say watching watching some of these games, Ohio State, you almost kind of have to sit back in coverage. Like you can't blitz them because if you go man coverage, it's pretty hard to stop Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mbuka um with man to man coverage. So you kind of got to sit back in coverage and hope that your four can get there and you know and just hope that you can cover long enough. And then if you get into a run game and you can force them in a third and long, you have a possible shot. But then it's Ohio State's defense versus Minnesota's offense. And Ethan Kelly Manis has been hit or miss. And you're going to Ohio State. And that's the other one. The last time we saw him in a big stadium, like at Penn State, again, it was Taylor Morgan had a concussion. But he was. it, it just looked very uh, – I was very skeptical of that performance as well. So, I don't know. I don't know. What do you, what do, you do you think the Gophers have a shot against Ohio State? No, I don't. I, I don't know if they can <laughs> – score enough uh they're 27 and a half point underdogs yeah so that's FanDuel, ridiculous FanDuel's predicting about a 38 to 10 final score based on the spread and the over under uh which sounds about right to me and so the crazy I, thing is some people are still taking Ohio State with 27 and a half like the Govers are getting yeah. 27 and a half points and people are still taking Ohio State which is not good because if they get blown out by 40 like wow like I don't even know how I'm gonna do a postcast like I like I said, I, I was gonna drink and smoke a cigar and celebrate. I might just drink and smoke a cigar and like sit out on my deck and just have pity. Like I don't a know, sad, like that's yeah. the sad cigar, sad like, I cigar. I don't know if that's a thing, but we're gonna make it a thing. The sad cigar, uh, and then I got to get ready for because uh, I gotta I gotta brush it off quick and get ready for Sunday night football. Sunday night football, right? Broncos. It's Sunday night, yeah. Prime yeah, time. so which sucks because then I have a post game that's gonna be super late. Oh man, I hate those. But you know what? It's all about fun because I got the postcast, which is earlier, and then I got the fan line, which I might be on there to one in the morning. But if the Vikings win, hey, post games are fun when they win. When the Gophers, if the Gophers lose in this night, those are those are those are sad, sad eyes. Uh, what's the last one? Sad eyes. Do you think the Vikings, Ron, still have a chance to catch Detroit in the division? They're a game and a half back with seven to go, and they play um, in the West. Yeah, originally when you first sent me this question, I said no until I realized they are a game and a half back. So I'm going to just statistically, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes because when you look at the Vikings schedule, and I keep saying this, they can win these next. I mean, they could go undefeated the rest of the way. Now, I'm not going to – I think they can split the Lions. I said if they split with the Lions, they should have it. Uh, they got to beat the Packers again. Uh, but when you look at the Lions schedule, that's the other thing. The Lions don't have much either. They have the Bears, Packers. They have the Saints that might give them a little trouble. Um, but then they got the Bears again. They got the Broncos. And then, like, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings are the only thing that I feel like can test the, the, the Lions. So I do see the easy schedule everybody's talking about. When you think about their 7-2, and two, you got Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears, Broncos. They could be 12-2 and two going into facing the Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings, and then they would be 12-5. and five. I don't know if the Vikings can get 12 wins, and that's the problem because they're already at four losses. Uh, they kind of put themselves behind the eight ball as far as just catching the Lions. Like being in the playoffs, I think they should be able to do it. Um, but to only lose one more game, that's going to be tough for the Vikings. If it is the Lions, uh, then I don't know where the tiebreaker lies. Like if they both go 12 and five, I have no idea where that tiebreaker lies. Um, but again, that that there's no way because the, the, the Vikings have to beat them twice for the Lions to lose 12, 12, five games. Sorry. I think the Cowboys could beat them. But if the Vikings don't beat them twice, there's no way they go 12-5. and five. If the Vikings do beat them twice, I don't see the Vikings losing anybody else. So that means the Vikings at that point are 13-4 and four again.
Kevin O'Connor does it again, he's definitely coach of the year. Uh, Sam, your thoughts? Yeah, well, there's a very good chance they'll be within shouting distance going into those two games against Detroit. So in that's and they play the first one at home too on Christmas Eve. So if yep. the Vikings are within two games going into that that first one with a chance to cut it to one at home, and then the Lions play the Cowboys after that, and the Vikings right. play the Packers, absolutely it's within reach. So just just hang around. You don't need to catch them yet. Just be within striking distance on Christmas Eve. And I think the Vikings can uh, can pull it off. Yep. Well, that'll do it for us today. We uh, enjoy Chris Carter. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. Make sure you guys know you can get the uh, Locked On Sports Minnesota live 24-7 YouTube feed on YouTube. Just need an email address to subscribe to get all of our shows. You got the football party, the Ron Johnson show, and of course, the basketball party. Make sure you guys tune in because it's heating up. Seven and two Timberwolves, man. We got a lot of basketball takes. Basketball was my first love. I play it every week. Uh, when I can, that's the only sport I can still do other than pickleball. Uh, and then make sure you guys know you always can get our show on XM radio. You can also get it on the Roku app on your TV. Just download it, subscribe, and we'll be right there with you. I want to thank you guys. Have a great week.